0: Welcome to the Therapy in a Nutshell podcast. I'm Emma McAdam, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I believe therapeutic education can change lives and should be easily accessible to all. These podcast episodes are filled with a research-backed therapeutic education that you can start applying to your life today. If you like these episodes and you want to go into more depth on specific topics like how to process tough emotions, how to change your brain and build better relationships, or how to help support someone you know with a mental illness, then check out my classes at therapyinanutshell.com. Each podcast episode here comes from a corresponding video you can find on the Therapy in a Nutshell YouTube channel. Also, these podcasts are educational and don't replace the advice or direction you may be receiving from a therapist or other health professionals. Okay, let's jump into this week's skill. In this video, you're going to learn how to teach your kids coping skills for anxiety. You'll learn how to coach your child through anxiety and help them overcome it. We'll talk about the skills to break tasks down into steps that they can accomplish and then feel super proud of themselves as they grow and develop an internal sense of resilience. And I'm going to give a bunch of examples of how I coached kids to overcome their anxiety. This video is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp makes it really easy for you to get access to a licensed mental health professional from the comfort of your own home. Now I'd like to share with you some of the experiences that people who've used my discount link have had with BetterHelp, and they've given us permission to share their experience with BetterHelp. So let me just read you um, what one of them says. This person says, I appreciate Kayla more than words can express. I have grown so much. She challenges me, listens to me, shares valuable and priceless insights with me. I love our light bulb moments. It has been one difficult but wonderful learning experience after another. I have learned so much about me and my family dynamics that has brought me to this point. Most important, she has taught me to care for myself, give myself credit for my achievements, and to love myself as much as I have loved and given to others. I look forward to continuing our journey and growing even more. Thank you, Kayla, for helping me to become a better version of me. I'm becoming happy despite this difficult time in my life. Thank you for helping me transition from the loss of my mom and the growth of my adult son. So many challenges. I've gone from overwhelmed to actually feeling joy. Okay, so if you'd like to learn how you can access therapy with better help, just check out the link in the description. You can get 10% off your first month. Okay, back to the video. Okay, so just to summarize, in the first video of this series, we talked about the foundation of your greenhouse, which is your mindset, right? You can model for your kids that it's okay to feel anxiety, but we can choose our actions. And in the second video, we talked about creating a safe environment for your kid to face their fears and how the number one most important thing is to create emotional safety for them. So this is like the plastic cover on a greenhouse. It provides warmth while the plants grow and face challenges. And you do this by connecting with them as they go through their fears, not shaming them, not trying to change how they're feeling, or protect them from having those feelings. Connecting with your child is the ultimate form of safety as you demonstrate to them that they can handle challenges. Now in this video, we'll take it to the next step. You'll learn how to help your child grow through anxiety. Okay, so let's stick with the greenhouse analogy for a while. Remember the goal of a greenhouse. It's not just to keep plants safe. And our goal as parents isn't just to prevent our kids from feeling anxiety. The goal of a greenhouse is to help plants to grow up, to be functional, healthy, and productive on the outside. And the way gardeners do this is by creating safety for plants from extreme temperatures in the short term, while building plants' strength in the long run. Now, if plants grow up in an environment that's too safe, Like if there's no wind, then they become leggy. They grow long and tall and thin. Then they seem to grow fast, but in reality, they are very fragile. They just, they won't function well on the outside. So when they go outside of the greenhouse, a little bit of wind and their stalks will break. So instead, the gardeners in a nursery gradually introduce more and more challenges to plants as they grow to help them be ready to live outside. And this is called hardening off. So they use fans to constantly force the plants to grow stronger. The wind helps the stalks grow thicker and, and more resilient. And they let the greenhouse get gradually colder to strengthen the stems and leaves. And then they'll separate that plant from other plants and repot it so that it can stand on its own. And they'll you know, eventually decrease the humidity so that the plant can go longer and longer between waterings. And then finally, they gradually start putting the plants outside. Uh, initially for short periods, and then for longer and longer periods, which helps the plant adjust to you know bright sun, cold dark nights, and hot days. Eventually, the plants have grown strong and tall, and they're ready to thrive when they're transplanted into the outdoor garden. So the same thing goes when we're parenting a child with anxiety. The goal is to structure tasks around growth. And there are four main steps to coaching our children through anxiety and helping them develop coping skills. Number one, connect with them emotionally. So this means to validate without judging them or the feeling. And we talked about that in the last video. Number two is to break the task down into baby, baby steps. Number three is to help them practice the skill. And then number four is to give them plenty of attention when they face a fear. So now I'm going to teach you all about how to break tasks down into baby steps. And as we do that, there's four keys to this. Key number one is the best accommodations help people accomplish the task, not escape it. So for example, if your child has test anxiety, instead of asking for accommodations to avoid tests, help them learn the skills to take tests and to manage their fears around failure, right? So it's really important as a parent to learn how to break these tasks down into small baby steps. Now, we often assume that they already know how to do whatever challenge they're facing, or they're just being dramatic or trying to get out of something, but often they just don't know what to expect, and they don't have simple skills to manage the situation. So we're gonna go into a lot of detail on how to do that. Number two is to structure tasks so that children spend more time in the learning zone. Now, we don't want our kids to get stuck in their comfort zone where they're avoiding difficulties, as this can make them less resilient over time. But we also don't want them to get thrown into tasks that are too big for them to handle all at once. And that can lead to feeling like overwhelmed and panicked. Now, it's not that getting overwhelmed or panicky occasionally is going to harm them in the long run, but it simply doesn't help them learn and be more resilient. Okay. Key number three, it's totally okay to feel nervous while doing something new. It's actually great because it primes your brain to learn. When your child feels nervous but succeeds at facing their fears, her brain is more plastic and rewires to believe that she is capable, and then her anxiety decreases over time. So your mantra here is, it's okay to feel scared or anxious or nervous, but we can choose our actions. And then number four is practice and repetition is key. Don't move on to the next step until they've mastered the first one and it's starting to get a bit boring for them. So sometimes they'll learn the skill really quickly and with some tasks it might take a lot of slow repetitions. Okay, so those are the four keys. Now we're going to go into how we can break down big tasks into tiny skills for your child to practice. So. I'm gonna do a little bit of an overview and then we'll do a couple of uh, examples. So how do we break tasks down? One of the ways is watching examples of other people doing it. Another way is to do pretend play with characters doing it. Another way is to do like imagination. So let's say it's like flying on an airplane, right? It's kind of hard to practice like going in and sitting on an airplane when you're not actually taking a trip. So instead you write a script where you imagine yourself flying on an airplane and you imagine yourself calming yourself down while flying and you imagine yourself making space for those uncomfortable feelings and you imagine yourself watching a movie and you imagine yourself getting off the airplane and feeling like, okay, I did that, good job, me, right? So you do imaginal exposure. This is all, all of these things I'm teaching you is part of what's called an exposure hierarchy where you start with really tiny exposures And then you gradually build up to bigger exposures so that's where imaginal exposure fits in okay another way to break tasks down is to just practice the skills in their tiniest form so that you build competence right you break the task down into very small steps or you can also decrease the duration or the intensity of a task so for example um if you're afraid of getting a vaccine you might just practice um, having your arm roped with like an alcohol swap over and over and over again until that is just so boring for you, right? You practice that and practice that and practice that until it's boring. Or you decrease the duration of a task. That means um, if you're scared of dogs, you might say, you know what? I'm gonna go sit in a room with my aunt's loving, kind Labrador who just sleeps. And I'm gonna go sit in that room for one minute and then I'll leave. And then I'll come back later and sit in that room for two minutes, right? We're not asking someone to start off by spending an entire day with a very loud barking dog. So that's another way we decrease the intensity of a task. Um, Another way we can decrease the intensity of a task is like using a smaller dog, using um, watching videos of people uh, being around dogs, things like that, right? So you just break these tasks down. You get really creative and you break these tasks down uh, into really small steps. Another thing you can do is add in support to accomplish tasks Um, and don't use this, don't build in escapes or distractions, right? So don't say you can pet the dog while you're watching a screen because they're actually not getting that exposure. They're distracting themselves from that exposure instead we're gonna add in support. So like, I will sit next to you while you pet the dog. I will hold your hand while you look at that dog through a window. These are all really small ways to face that fear of dogs. Here's another example. Um, You tell your kid, I know you feel nervous to talk in front of class by yourself. What if you did it with a partner the first time? Or what if I hold your hand while you give your first uh, lesson in church or something like that, right? They're still facing that scary task, but they can do it with support for a while. And then eventually they can do the entire task on their own. So that's just kind of the overview of how we break tasks down into tiny little steps. And this takes some creativity because as adults, we've forgotten how much we know that's helping us actually accomplish this task. Now, remember, you and your child can learn the skill of facing fears. It's a skill that can be learned, but it may take practice. With one of my daughters, we have literally practiced it hundreds of times for various situations, but she's totally becoming more and more confident with time. So practice each tiny skill over and over again until it's easy, until it's boring, until it's kind of slipping into that comfort zone. Just pay close attention to what zone your child is in, and when the task gets like really easy, really boring, then you can consider taking it up a notch. Okay, so let's go through some examples of how you could practice these steps. Okay, and this first example is from my life. Okay, so once when I had a newborn and a three-year-old, we went to free day at the museum. And it was packed. It was super crowded. And as we took the elevator to the fifth floor, I'm like navigating all the people and I'm getting the stroller with the baby out. And before I know it, the doors closed on the elevator with my three-year-old in it, and it went straight down. And I did not know which floor it stopped on. Um, and Um I didn't know where she got out, where to find her. So Obviously this is scary for both of us. Now we were reunited in about five minutes, but like, yes, this was scary. And um, my daughter never wanted to ride in an elevator again. She would literally like cry and scream if we saw one. And she always wanted to just take the stairs or avoid buildings that had elevators altogether. So let me give you an example of some of the baby steps we practiced together. We started by just looking at pictures of elevators and talking about our elevators. And we talk about elevators and we talk about the time she got separated. But we'd also talk about elevators in like a positive light, like oh, elevators go to the top of this building. Our elevators help food carts get up hospitals, things like that. And, um, we played elevators with her toy characters, and then when we were getting ready to go to the library, which has an elevator. I thought, ooh, this would be a good chance to practice riding in an elevator. So I predicted it for her. I told her beforehand everything that we would do and what to expect, right? So I said, oh, we're gonna be going to the library. We're gonna have a chance to ride the elevator. I'll let you push the button. I'll hold your hand, et cetera, et cetera. And then, then we predicted it before we even went to the library. Then when we were ready, we went to the library and I added in support while doing the task. So we tried initially riding the elevator while I carried her, right? Like the ultimate form of support. Then I gradually removed the support, right? We try it while she'll dig two hands and I'm constantly checking in with her to see if she's in the growth zone, to see if she's doing well. And we're like talking, we're engaging and I'm trying to smile and laugh and show her how safe it is, right? Then we tried it while holding uh, one hand a few times. And each time I'm like, wow, you were so nervous, but you did it anyway. I'm so proud of you. Great job, right? Like lots of praise. Then we did it without holding a hand. And now she is not afraid of elevators anymore. Now, what do you think would have happened if instead I would have been like, oh no, we don't have to take elevators. We can take stairs for the rest of your life. We should be more afraid or less afraid of elevators. Like definitely more afraid. Okay, let's do another example. Um, let's use an example of a third grader who's afraid of presenting in class. He gets like really terrified. He used to like school, but now every day he says like, I don't want to go to school. And he says he has a stomachache and then he probably literally does have a stomachache. So his parents are like really worried, like what's going on? How they want to know how can his parents and teacher help him? Now, as parents, your instinct is to ask the teacher to not make him present in class but resist that urge, right? Instead help him rise to the occasion. So the first step obviously is to show him empathy. Say, yeah, that makes sense to feel anxious or it's really hard for a lot of people to present in public or I felt like that too when I was a kid, but we'll help you, right? You can do this, we're here for you. And then let's break the task down. So here's a few ways you can help him develop the ability to overcome those fears. So first, let's have him watch other kids do it and make some observations, right? And if he doesn't have the chance to do that in his own class, you could ask the teacher or other classes if he could watch other kids doing presentations, or you could watch some YouTube videos of kids doing presentations or, you know, teaching how to give a presentation. And then you could practice giving a presentation at home in front of parents. And again, you might have to break this down into tiny, tiny steps like what to put on the board, where to put your hands, things like that. Practice in his actual classroom without students um, or have him practice with just the teacher there. Um, if he's afraid of speaking in class, you, he and the teacher and you could arrange for the teacher to ask him a question that he already knows the answer to, right? They arrange ahead of time, the answer to this question is six. And the teacher says, Billy, what's the answer to this question? And he's like, six, right? So he just gets experience speaking in front of the class and then remember what you're practicing isn't necessarily the like perfect presentation it's actually practicing tolerating a big emotion and saying it's okay to feel that like look you handled feeling anxious and you did the presentation anyway okay you could also choose to add in some support like having a parent or a peer or an aide sit up there with you now it's really important to give them tons of attention, which is, you know, your child's currency. This is what children thrive on, is their parents noticing that when they face their fears. So give them a lot of attention when they face their fears, highlight it. The way the brain works is that what you pay attention to, you get more of. So you could say things like, wow, how does that feel? You did it, what was that like for you? Or say something like, oh, you faced that fear and you did so well. Or you went to preschool, did you do anything fun? Now, remember how we talked about from the first video, we talked about mindset, how our kids look to us to know how to interpret a situation. When you show them that they can handle their fears and you praise them for facing their fears, they begin to really prioritize courage as a trait. They feel excited to face their fears and happy when they do it. And this builds resilience in them over time. So this is the opposite of prioritizing, like not feeling anxious as a life goal, which leads to a lot more avoidance and more anxiety. Okay, I'm gonna put a link in the description to a couple more examples of this process, but long story short, it works. Before long, they'll start coming from school excited to tell you about the challenge they faced that day and how courageous they were. So mom and dad, you got this, you can totally do this. In the next video, we're gonna talk about a handful of other tools you can use to help your kid with anxiety. So stay tuned. And if you wanna learn more about this, I am gonna be building out a online course for parents of anxious kids so that you can learn even more skills, dive into you know, more depth into this topic. So check the link in the description if you wanna learn more about that. Okay, thank you for watching and take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something you can add to your daily routine that makes your life just a little bit better. If you want to learn more about topics like how to process tough emotions, how to change your brain, how to build better relationships, or support someone you know with a mental illness, then check out my classes at therapyinanutshell.com. And if you feel like these podcasts have been a benefit to you, please leave a rating so others can more easily find this content. Thank you so much, and have a great day.